And if I am this label, but then that's not good enough. If I'm the other end of the spectrum, then that's not good enough. And I think that all comes to a head too with the monologue, which is so powerful. Another moment where I get really emotional in the movie, which culminates in it's literally impossible to be a woman. And I think Mm. that it's highlighted this constant contrast that you've just alluded to. I think that line, it's literally impossible to be a woman is, how would you say it? Yeah, these two opposite ends of the spectrum, I think, highlight that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that was, uh, that's kind of where I started having mixed feelings, I think. Okay, tell me me about these mixed feelings. (laughs) Okay, well, okay, before we jump to the end, just real quick, Mm -hmm. I will mention the moment that Barbie has with Ruth and... Mm you know, them sitting in the kitchen, you had noted too, just like the symbolism. Hey friends, it's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia, and Puerto Rico to be exact. And we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. I'm Kate. And I'm Nicole. And welcome back to another Candid Conversation with us. Each week, we bring you a new conversation about a topic that we can relate to. We share our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you'll realize that one, you're not alone. And two, that open and honest convos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Kate. How are you today? I'm very bouncy and up, up, up. (laughs) (laughs) Man, because you got another one of your early workouts in again today, yeah? This is the second 5.30 a.m. workout. Yeah, feeling good, feeling good. I am so impressed, girl. So impressed. I am too, honestly. I'm just going to give myself credit right now. I'm going to give myself credit and say, yep, I deserve that compliment. Ooh, that's going to be an interesting little tie-in to what our topic is. I just realized Yes, it will be. And another tie-in and something that I meant to ask you last week, and here we have been already on the mic with each other, but like offline for 40 minutes chatting our faces (laughs) off. Um, (laughs) But now that we're hitting record, I'm excited for an update on you had shared in a previous episode that one of um, these activities that you were doing from the book, what's the book again? The book's called The Artist's Way. The artist way. Yes. And one of your challenges is a solo activity each week, right? Right. So every day there's a 12 week program, the artist's way, and you have to do morning pages in the morning, which I didn't do this morning because I went and did my hit class. So I might have to do that after. And you have to commit to an artist date, which is essentially a day time, few hours just with yourself with no one else doing something enjoyable it could be going to the beach could be going to see an exhibition it could be going for a walk around a park or a part of the city and so yes it's actually really one of the activities that's hard to commit to to carve that time out in your calendar is it is it once a week or every day you're supposed to do that no 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 once a week essentially yeah the program's broken up into weeks and which i will just admit that i am giving myself two weeks to complete each week okay (laughs) just because of everything else 
going You've got on. Some things going on. Just a few things here and there. A couple of businesses, you know, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> no biggie. <laughs> so I've given myself permission to stretch it out, but I am wanting to commit to the weekly artist date. And I did it this week uh-huh. over the weekend in preparation for our conversation. I took myself off to the movies to see Barbie for the second time on my own. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which I thought was so awesome because I took myself out to the movies on my own to see Barbie in preparation for this as well. It was my first time seeing it. So I was excited to go see it. You had mentioned that you had seen it and that you thought it would be a great discussion and kind of from the things that I had heard about it, I knew that I wanted to check it out. I kind of went into it not really having any expectations, but that's what we're going to be discussing today. So I'll be quiet and stop diving into what we're going to talk about before we even introduce it. (laughs) But I'm excited that both of us had an artist's date this past week. We actually ended up seeing it on the same day too, I think. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I saw it on a Saturday. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Okay, so today we are going to discuss the Barbie movie. This was created by writer and director Greta Gerwig, um, co-created, I believe. Her husband was a part of it as well. Her husband was the co-writer. They co-wrote it. She directed it. Co-wrote it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know about you, Nicole, but when the previews came out for this movie, there seemed to be a bit of controversy around it. Like when I first heard that Barbie was coming out, I assumed that it was for kids and Gen X, Gen Y who grew up playing with Barbies and that this was going to be like this epic celebration of this iconic toy that all of us like know about, right? (laughs) But it turns out the movie is much more of a statement piece than that. Of course, if you love Barbie, then you definitely got your fix of all the pink things and Barbie and her perfect outfits and all these other things. But what else does this movie and its message stand for and represent? That is kind of what I was most curious about. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to dive into today. Uh, Before we do, we will mention we are going to be like deep diving into this movie and the themes and the topics and the messages and everything. So if you haven't seen it yet and you want to, this would be a huge spoiler. So spoiler alert, (laughs) if you don't want to hear all about the movie, maybe save this episode for a little bit later. (laughs) Right. Okay, so Nicole, before we dive into all the specific like points in the movie and different things that stood out to us, I'm curious, what did you expect from the movie and what did you leave with? Was it kind of what you expected going into it? Well, seeing the trailers and seeing a few interviews here and there with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, you you get an idea that this movie is not a kiddie Disney film at all like there is some inkling of this is going to be something very unexpected but even so you don't really know and I think the trailers it would have been really hard to make those trailers because even the trailer after seeing it it doesn't give it away you have you have some sense of it and you know the way they're talking about it in interviews it's like there's way more to this movie than you think but they they don't really prepare you you kind of go into it not knowing what to expect right Right. yeah that's probably (laughs) i mean that's how i yeah that's how i felt too even even after talking with you after the first time you saw it and then going and watching the trailer i still felt like okay as you said 
I get that this isn't going to be like a Mattel advertisement and like a Barbie, you know, yay party. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't know how far the other way it was going to go. Right. <laughs> and I had the similar experience when you saw it the first time, when you first want to talk about it it's really hard to describe in many ways it's hard to <laughs> communicate all the feelings and yes. the, the understanding of what you got out of it all the messages and everything it's really hard to communicate until like sometime later whether you've spent time reflecting on it writing about it like I've journaled about it we've had multiple conversations but the first conversation it's quite hard I don't know I found it hard well, I mean, if I were to play my WhatsApp message to you after I saw it, <laughs> it was clearly very hard for me too. I don't even know how many times I stumbled in that message or like was trying so hard to say something, but I couldn't say it. I didn't know like what to actually say. You were like, I, I don't have the words and I'm just nodding as I'm listening to this. I'm like, I know the feeling. It's exactly how I felt. As well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we both go into this movie kind of knowing what to expect, but not really. You walk away from the movie. What was your rating of the movie from a scale of one to 10? Mine's high. It's 9.5. That is high. Wow. <laughs> okay, tell me like what was what's kind of like a little breakdown of your score? Um, well, I rate it very highly for the themes that we're going to talk about for sure. I thought the script was great. The performances are excellent. Everyone did a great job. Uh, I love the music. I thought oh, the musical numbers, the dance scenes are really fun. And overall, the production value. Uh, this came from watching a couple of interviews here and there and understanding that all the sets were hand-painted. Everything on set, including the props, everything was handcrafted, handmade. And so there's just this sense from a filmmaking perspective of how much work and attention to detail was put into this production that mm. I just think, oh, you know, just on so many levels for me, it was a, a really terrific film. Yeah. Well, and given your like film background, I can imagine that there's probably a lot of things that you picked up on that maybe a lot of people wouldn't. So yeah, I can see that. I didn't realize that everything was like handmade and hand painted. Mm -hmm. Although I do remember a while back, I think this was still when the film was in progress. I did hear on the Newsworthy podcast, which is a daily news podcast that I listen to, uh, she had reported that the color of Barbie pink, like they like ran out of it because the movie used so much of that color pink that they like really? did not have any more of it like anywhere. <laughs> I did so, not know that. But that makes yeah. sense because there were so many things on the set, so much detail, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I do think like the aesthetic of it was really, really beautiful. Yeah. I appreciated yeah. it. And the only reason I don't give it a 10 before we get to your score is that it's very fresh. I feel like movies that I've given a 10 over time, they've aged with me. They're a classic in many mm -hmm. ways. And mm -hmm. I feel like maybe this needs to percolate a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Maybe the maybe the other point five will come. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, you? Okay, so my initial score, because John and I were talking about the movie after I saw it, because I was curious to hear more from him. I, I didn't really want to hear from him about it before I saw it. Mm -hmm. So him and I were chatting about it. He asked me my score, and I said seven. 
And he told me that I wasn't allowed to give it a seven. <laughs> okay, well, why? He said, you either have to give it a six or an eight because seven is a cop-out. <laughs> okay, oh, okay, I can see that. You know, it's kind of like that C score of like, it's not bad. It's not like the greatest. And You're so, not committing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I was like, okay, fine. I didn't want to give it a six because mm-hmm. I liked it more than that. So I gave it an eight. So my score is an eight. I totally agree with you. I thought that uh, we'll get deeper, like you said, into the themes and stuff. I did end up having a little bit of mixed feelings on a couple of the bigger um, standout moments in the movie. But yes, the dance numbers, the production value, knowing that everything was like hand painted and handmade, that's incredible. And I thought the cast was great. I mean, the actors were really well placed. I feel Mm -hmm. like they did a really great job with that. Okay. All right. So that's pretty high Mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say it's pretty high. Okay, well, let's jump in and start with the opening scene. We'll kind Mm -hmm. of like jump to the major scenes and themes and discuss each of those. So do you want to kick off with the opening scene? Yes, because I think the opening scene or the prologue, which we do get in the trailers, really sets the tone for what's to come. I think if anything in the trailers gives away that this is going to be a different movie... It's that opening scene, the prologue. Mm -hmm. And and I think so much happens in that prologue that I think it's worth talking about. First of all, the narration of Helen Mirren, that choice alone I think is very interesting and already gives you an idea of all the choices that Greta makes later on. So you've got this incredible actress, Helen Mirren, who's 67 years old. She's spoken out against ageism in Hollywood. She lets her hair be naturally gray. Like she's this great female person in her own right. She's narrating this prologue, right? Which is a reference to the 2001 Space Odyssey. And that opening scene is quite funny, right? There's there's these cute little girls playing with their dolls. Then all of a sudden they're angry and they're fierce and they start smashing their dolls and smashing their tea sets and little kitchens. And, and you realize, okay, this is not going to be whatever you thought it was going to be, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The opening scene was already quite powerful for all the Mm -hmm. reasons that you just mentioned, especially kind of the unexpected like bashing of baby dolls Mm -hmm. and (laughs) kitchen sets and everything. It's confronting. You know, in place of this larger than life Barbie. Yeah, very confronting. Then after seeing the intro to Space Odyssey, I was like, okay, wow. All right. Yeah, lots of the Barbie being the obelisk and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right. And I think what's really clever about that scene, oh, and, and that's where we get introduced to the theme of motherhood, which, you know, comes back at the end. But I thought it was really interesting because it's a great choice. It's like we're at the beginning of time, you know, the, the 2001, mm-hmm. there's apes running around. And I felt like this was like a reference to like, this is the beginning of our evolution as women. This is how we start. The world is new. We can make of it what we will, but you've got these girls who are being, got these little children that are playing with baby dolls, almost being taught like, oh, okay, this is your preparation for your world. Your world is mm-hmm. to be mothers. and Mothers. To, so all to say like why I think the prologue is so important is that, 
it really sets up the whole film and it sets up just how much, how many layers there are to this film. Yeah. And then uh, I found it interesting too, that you go from this scene that is very unlike <laughs> the, the next scene that you're about to see <laughs> when all of a sudden you are like in Barbie land and everything's perfect and everything's beautiful and bright and like shining mm -hmm. as opposed to like that barren land, this desert of smashing dolls and yeah, just like totally different. So great. Yeah. Contrast and oh, okay. Now we're in Barbie land. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there's that opening scene. Quite quickly, we are starkly taken into Barbie land and, you know, Barbie's going on with her day of everything's happening just perfectly. She's waking up and it's beautiful outside and all the Barbie friends are, hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. And, and her toast and waffle is perfect and her tea is perfectly made and everything's happening just as it should, right? All to the backdrop of Lizzo's Life in Pink. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The song is, yeah, Pink. Pink. Which is perfect. <laughs> Says it totally all. upbeat. Everyone's happy. Everything's amazing. And then quite quickly, Barbie reaches this crisis point. And it's when they're doing that dance scene, right? <laughs> yes. And I think it was, were they having the, the girls' night? Every night's a girls' night? Every night's a girls' night, right? The dance yeah. party. <laughs> what are you doing tonight? Just throwing this amazing dance party for all my girlfriends? <laughs> yeah, she's just throwing a big dance party and she invites everyone. The Kens are there as well. Everyone's there. Okay, so mm -hmm. they're doing, she's doing the dance party. Everyone's having a great time. And then she, like, is singing and says, asks the other Barbies if they've ever thought about dying. Yes. Major. Or death. I think, have you ever thought about death? And then we get a major interruption. What is going on? Yeah. So that was the totally unexpected that Barbie would mm -hmm. ask that. Of course, Barbies don't think about dying because they never do. Mm -hmm. Their world is perfect and they don't contemplate horrible things or, you know, uncomfortable things happening. Mm-hmm. And this quickly kind of like snowballs into her not only thinking about death, but then she takes off her high-heeled shoes and her feet become flat. She finds cellulite on her leg. And suddenly Barbie's world is turned upside down because she has flat feet, cellulite, and she's thinking about death. Which is sad and funny at the same time we can all relate to this like the shaming yeah. around the cellulite right away i guess it's so ironic that the flat feet being natural are unnatural for her what's more natural is to be unnatural so that enhance the reference she's always referred to as stereotypical barbie because she's a stereotype and yeah, this irony of like anything that's natural is actually unnatural for her which yeah is it's quite funny, but also highlights just how we're made to feel bad about certain things that are incredibly natural and normal, like cellulite. Normal. Mm -hmm. Or getting old, mm -hmm. having gray hair, mm -hmm. any number of things that pop up. These things all pop up throughout the movie, right? Yes. Okay, so all the Barbies look at her like she's crazy. The music comes to a screeching halt. And Barbie's trying to figure out what the heck is going on because her perfect world is not perfect anymore. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't remember who mentioned this to her, but somebody told her that she should go talk to Weird Barbie, mm-hmm. quote unquote, Weird Barbie is <laughs> her name in the movie. And so Barbie goes to find Weird Barbie to find out like why this is happening. And can we just take a moment to talk about Weird Barbie for a second? Because yes, let's. I played with Barbies. I had Barbies mm-hmm. as, a, as a child. Did you? Yes. And at that time, my mum had really short, my mum's hair is naturally blonde and she had short hair at one point. And so one Mm -hmm. day I decided to make my Barbie look like my mum and I ended up cutting all her hair off in that kind of spiky, Uh obviously it was a bad haircut. And so when I saw Weird Barbie's like, oh yeah, her hair looked like my Barbie's hair. I did that to my Barbie once too. Uh, so I thought, all right, this is real. Yeah, that's Did it. you ever do anything like that to your Barbies? I, I'm just thinking now, and I don't think that I ever did. And when I think back to playing with Barbies, it's interesting that if I were to guess the reason why I never did any of that to my Barbies is because I felt like they were so perfect and I felt like I was going to ruin it if I did something. (laughs) Right. That makes sense. And I remember when I did cut her hair and I was like, oh, she looks like my mom now. But I remember looking at her going, oh, but she doesn't look as nice as she did before. (laughs) Not not super Barbie anymore. (laughs) Right. Which is funny. And I, I like how in the movie they refer to this as like playing too hard with your Barbie. Yes. Whether it's all the makeup yeah. and you try and, you know, makeup on her face or something. That was, uh. yeah, that was just a little, little memory there that I had of what I did to one of my Barbies. Yeah. So uh, to your point, weird Barbie looks a little different than the other Barbies. And they say that this is because she was played rough with by whoever like owned her in the real world. Yes. And so weird Barbie tells stereotypical Barbie, this is what's happening. There's somebody in the real world playing rough with you. Mm -hmm. And that's why your feet are flat and you have cellulite and you're thinking about death. So Barbie gets the idea to go into the real world so that she can find who is playing with her and kind of set things straight, kind of figure out like what's going on here. Stop playing so rough with me because (laughs) I don't like these things that are happening. And she gets in her car and she follows the instructions of how to get to the real world, finds Ken in her backseat, popping up out of her backseat because he just can't bear the thought of her going without him. Which is <laughs> he really has funny. to go with her. <laughs> <laughs> and so her and Ken get to the real world thinking, this is going to be so awesome. We're going to see how much everyone loves us. We're going to get to see how we've made the real world as perfect as Barbie world. When we get there, everything's going to be like it is in Barbie land. The females are going to be the president and they're going to be the construction workers and they're going to be the Mattel CEOs and all of these things. And Ken's expecting, you know, he's going to go there and that all the men are going to be like Ken in Barbie world, which is an accessory to the Mm -hmm. women more or less. And of course, they find out that that is definitely not the case. Mm -hmm. Right. So what were your thoughts like when 
one of the first scenes of them in the real world is Barbie wanted to make sure that Ken brought his rollerblades because they're going to land in California yes. and they absolutely have to be rollerblading. So they have, you know, of course, these super stereotypical Barbie outfits. They're rollerblading with these neon rollerblades, totally out of place down the boardwalk on the beach. Mm-hmm. What was like your thought when that scene started happening? Well, Uh, Yeah, it's comical, you know, the way they're dressed and there's this stark kind of contrast of where they've come from, this beautiful, perfect, fun, fantastic world to just a very gritty scene in LA, probably Venice Beach, somewhere like that. And then you realize like the movie kind of comes down a few notches in, okay, we're getting serious now because as soon as Barbie's in the real world, she starts to feel unsettled immediately like immediately her demeanor changes she realizes that the stares and the looks that she's getting are threatening they make her feel unsafe and ken is having the complete opposite experience and he says i I feel admired and there you realize oh okay this is now where the the film is going because it's not following a typical arc or a plot. And that's Mm -hmm. probably a little bit why it's hard to sometimes explain to someone and maybe why some people might not enjoy it because it doesn't have a typical film arc. But here it's like, okay, now the themes are really hitting us. This is where I think one of the themes that I hadn't read about too much but came up for me is this idea of being looked at, being stared at Mm -hmm. or like the gaze or, or or being observed because there are so many references to how Ken feels when Barbie looks at him. And then if we fast forward, I know I'm maybe jumping ahead a little bit, but when finally Barbie has her first encounter with Ruth, she talks about how she doesn't look perfect. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to us being looked at as girls, as women. We're being judged. We're being observed. You kind of get this theme. It's brought up here for the first time in, in some way. Yeah. And in, in between those two things happening, when she goes to Mattel, she finds herself at the Mattel building and thinks, oh, perfect. I can go in and just talk to, you know, all the women leaders here, <laughs> let them know what's going on and we'll figure this out real quick. So she busts into the boardroom. It's all males Uh, the Mm c-suite is all males so that is very confusing for her of course and what their goal is is to put her back into her box Mm -hmm. like her barbie box with the window where she would be displayed and everybody could like see her contained in there right yes there you go like this display box the Mm -hmm. plastic being seen through right so there's this this whole self-consciousness that she starts to feel through being looked at through anything that she's doing again going back to that scene with Ruth in in that kitchen she's embarrassed at a certain point because she doesn't know how to drink tea Mm -hmm. and and we know that through that Greta Gerwig has late like has thrown so many references into this into this film and I remembered the scene from My Fair Lady which um, where she's having tea and I can't remember the character, the guy, he's trying to teach her how to say cup of tea and she's desperately just wanting to drink the tea and have some of the treats, Uh but he's focused 
on turn making her a lady and making her politely say cup of tea and it's this whole play on how she's not a lady because she doesn't know how to hold her teacup and she starts to feel really self-conscious which I thought was really really interesting yeah, 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 definitely. And I, f- I feel like there are so many moments too, where Barbie kind of is like going back and forth and, and the, it's being shown in these scenes. It's like when they first get to the real world, she's as confident as ever. She's got her rollerblades on. She's having a great time. And then she starts to get self-conscious because mm-hmm. of the stairs and because of like, how come there are no women around doing these jobs and things right. that women usually do? Why are all these men gallivanting around and calling the shots and like kind of, you know, seemingly making the rules more mm-hmm. or less? Um, then she goes into Mattel, has that whole scene. Then she meets Ruth and I feel like is maybe kind of like re-energized a little bit. Then she goes on to actually discover who it is that she thinks is playing with her, goes to the school to meet this little girl. And when she arrives at the school, she, she kind of seems to be back into the whole confident thing. Like, I'm about to go see like how much people mm-hmm. love me and how much these girls look up to me and I'm yes. their role model and all of these things. And then, of course, is crushed um, by the girl saying, like, you've actually made it the worst for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None yeah. of us like you. Right. So I, I found it interesting that it jumped back and forth a lot. Like you can really tell that Barbie's in this struggle of like everything that she's always believed about Barbie creating this amazing platform for women and women being strong and and beautiful and everything working out for them all the time to then, OK, the, the real world is nothing like that. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, it keeps bouncing back and forth. So when when they're in their imaginary world, life is great because they're doing the things that they want to do. They're in these wonderful jobs and they have Mm -hmm. autonomy and agency. And then you get into the real world and Sasha, the girl, has a point. This is terrible. We're, again, going back to the shaming of the cellulite and the flat feet. Everything that's natural is is shamed is, is is making us feel like we want to hide and we want to run away from that Mm. I think one of the most beautiful scenes very soon after that when Barbie's had that interaction with the teenage girls and she's made to feel like everything that I thought is now not what I think she's Mm -hmm. at the bus stop and she's contemplating and she starts you know she has her first tear she sees that older woman on the seat next to her and turns to her and says you 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 are beautiful mm-hmm. and the lady responds i know it that is for me one of the first scenes where i start to tear up <laughs> both times i've started to tear up and it's just so beautiful because barbie has never seen an old person because there's no old people in older people in barbie land and that is her raw socially unconditioned reaction which mm-hmm. so much in that one little scene where she's just looking at this person for the first time and says, you are beautiful. I just thought it was yeah. so beautiful, that scene. And I, I wasn't even really sure, though, that Barbie like understood the significance of it. And I don't know if that was done on purpose or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I got the same feeling as you is that like, oh, my goodness, Barbie's actually realizing that maybe 
maybe Barbie isn't the perfect thing and mm-hmm. or the only thing, right? There yeah. are other forms of beauty and oh, the yeah. real world presents us lots of different things. But I wasn't really even sure if like Barbie got it. Maybe she did. I don't know. I was mm. kind of expecting mm. like more from that scene and it cut quite quickly after that okay so maybe that was done purposefully for you to have your own interpretation of it but I Mm -hmm. thought that that was interesting right yeah good point I hadn't thought about it that way uh okay so all this is happening in the real world meanwhile Ken has figured out that men kind of uh, for lack of a better term uh, kind of rule the real world Mm -hmm. right they're the they're the ones it's like flipped it's the opposite of barbie land Mm -hmm. so he goes back to barbie land to let all the kens know wait a second we should actually have all the high-powered jobs (laughs) and we should be riding around on horses and the girls should be serving us and yeah, w- let's flip this on its head, which he successfully does in a very short period of time. <laughs> yes. He turns their houses into very dirty places. <laughs> As the president says, we had to really disinfect those houses after. <laughs> yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all kinds of just like the the cowboy decorations. All right. the Kens are now like wearing cowboy hats and there's horses everywhere. And He's the girls the, are serving the guys beers on the beach. He, they're wearing the fur coats, which was yeah. a funny reference to Sylvester Stallone. Um, <laughs> what else? Oh, yeah, they're watching the, the Godfather as Issa, Issa Rae, the president, her character, mispronounces the the title of that film emphasizing the word father which again again so much is happening there like why emphasize the word father well father Uh again we're we're talking about you know now a male-dominated world you've got marlon brando on the screen which is like this larger than life male character the dawn yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the world is definitely not the one that Barbie left. So it's so many of these just like stark realities. There's mm-hmm. no real like easy transition in between these two worlds and what's happening as we enter and exit it, mm-hmm. right? So in the very beginning, we've got that barren land, then we're very quickly placed into Barbie land, which is perfect. Then we do kind of, I guess, have this little transition when Barbie and Ken first go to the real world. Mm-hmm. But then to your point, there's just a very stark difference when we get to the real world. Like, of course, compared to Barbie land, everything just seems a little bit muted. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when we go back to Barbie land, it's totally flipped on its head again because Ken has turned it, you know, a little upside down again. Um, so we have just this whole time kind of bouncing back and forth while Ken is doing all this in Barbie land. We still have Barbie back in the real world trying to convince, like, did you ever get the feeling that she's like on a mission? She's kind of trying to convince these women like, no, wait, I'm, I'm supposed to be like a, a good presence and Mm -hmm. a, a good role model. And you're supposed to love me. And like she she thought she was going there to kind of rally for that, but continues to get kind of slapped down time and time again by mm. pretty much everyone she comes in contact with, except for Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this clash, right? This, there's this constant clash contrast of very extreme opposites of 
you yeah. know, the way she experiences womanhood and being a woman and living out her life and what's the experience in the real world. And I think it all comes full circle. And I know we'll probably get to, you know, talking about the ending soon where there is this confusion and this constant, what am I supposed to be? I want to be this. I don't know what I'm supposed to be. This constant mm-hmm. struggle of, do I subscribe to this label? And if I am this label, but then that's not good enough. If I'm, if I'm the other end of the spectrum, then that's not good enough. And I think that all comes to a head too with the monologue, which is so powerful. Another moment where I get really emotional in the movie, which culminates in it's literally impossible to be a woman. And I think mm-hmm. that it's highlighted this constant contrast that you've just alluded to, I think that line, it's literally impossible to be a woman, is, how would you say it? Yeah, these two opposite ends of the spectrum, I think, highlight that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that was... That's kind of where I started having mixed feelings, I think. Okay, tell me me about these mixed feelings. Okay. Okay, well, okay, before we we jump to the end, just real quick, Mm -hmm. I will mention uh, the the moment that Barbie has with Ruth and, Mm. you know, them sitting in the kitchen, you had noted too, just like the symbolism of the fact that it was in this kitchen that they meet, that they're sitting down at a table having tea together. I mean, like how many different like female symbols and Mm -hmm. uh, assumptions can you make in one scene? Right. And and then this theme of motherhood is brought back up again. I I think the line really comes at the end. The the one that I, when I was watching it, I was like, this is when Nicole started crying. <laughs> I, know, I started crying way before, way before the ending. I, you know me, like I'm a sap. I'll start crying at the drop of a hat. Um, but in that line, go ahead. What's the line? Yeah. The, the we mothers stand still. So our daughters can look back and see how far they have come. Mm-hmm. Grab the Which tissues. Is a be- uh, oh, yeah. So I mean, beautiful. A beautiful line, a powerful line, definitely. So, okay, this takes us kind of into the end and the final scene, right? And this idea and this monologue, which, if I'm not mistaken, it's Gloria, right? Sasha's mom, uh, America Ferreira. Gloria, yes. The one, yes, Mm -hmm. okay. Um, So... We, we skip a little bit here, mm-hmm. right? Barbie finds out that Gloria is actually the one that mm-hmm. was playing with her. Gloria works for Mattel as kind of the assistant to the, Will Ferrell's character, who's the CEO or some C-suite something or other, the president or... or yeah, the CEO, yeah. who wants to be called CEO. mother, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, there's so many Will lines, Ferrell, right? Will like, Yeah. I, very we well did cast. link up, Nicole, you shared a, a few really great articles that we're going to link up to, and those reference like some of the best quotes in the movie. Um, they reference a lot of uh, what these other movies that were mm-hmm. kind of like brought into this, um, you mentioned the reference to my fair lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned the reference at the beginning to 2001 space odyssey. I mean, there were so many, so, so many that I never would have caught actually. So that article was a good one. The matrix, the shoes, shoes, yes. the high heel shoes mm-hmm. of the Birkenstock. Very clever. <laughs> right. So Gloria is actually creating drawings of realistic Barbies. Barbies that yes. are having the thoughts of death, Barbies that have cellulite, depressed Barbie. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's where she realizes, oh, it's you who's 
caused this. It's their communication that's caused this rip in their world. So so Gloria is the one that kind of goes on this monologue and talks about how it's impossible to be a woman. And my mixed feelings on that are this. I get what she was saying and the monologue gives it the context, right? Mm-hmm. If you just pull out that one statement, it's pretty stark. Mm-hmm. Cuz for me, I feel like if we say that, how does that perpetuate it? I get that she's pontificating on Mm -hmm. all of these issues and challenges and, but we all have struggles. We all face adversity on some level. We all struggle with the ideas and the expectations of society. Men do, women do, Mm -hmm. children do, elderly people do, everybody does on some level, right? And so I feel like there's a certain point where singling this out and saying it's impossible to be a woman, like... It just seems like a huge disservice to women to say that. Like, why can't Mm -hmm. it be that, yes, there are these challenges and expectations and everything, but it's incredible to be a woman. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just kind of wish that that would have been what they said versus it's impossible to be a woman. Because what what message is that, you know? Oh, it's a good one. Wow. Do we have like another few hours to talk about (laughs) this? Because now we're getting deep. Mm. And I think I I really started thinking too about just like the struggle side of it and the challenges and everything that it brings up about women and and what they go through and Mm. all these scenes with Barbie being looked at and they want to put her in a box and all the men are in charge. And, you know, Ken goes on this rampage and turns Barbie land upside down so that all the men and the women are serving them. And there's just so many, Mm. (laughs) so many things. Right. But even in all of this. I thought it was quite interesting that we see the struggles that Ken faces when Barbie land is intact. Yeah. I think this is a perspective, a female perspective, a woman's perspective, a girl's perspective, Mm -hmm. all the different stages of a woman. I don't think if, you know, there's necessarily, okay, sure, there's huge themes there of toxic masculinity, the patriarchy, Mm -hmm. all those themes are there it doesn't mean that you hate men or yeah. whatever that, that that's probably irrelevant but i think what that monologue does though is highlight the the constant struggle that you know at different stages of of a woman's life from from being a little girl to being an older woman whether it's the labels the expectations they're so contradictory in so many ways that it is hard that it's yeah and 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 to your point like it's not not hard to be a man either it's not like that men don't get their you know fair share of messaging about what is expected of them for sure but i don't think it, it discounts that i don't think they're mutually exclusive i think we're really just focused here on to me anyway the way i i felt this was really like what is let's immerse ourselves in the experience of being a little girl to being an older woman what that whole experience can be like like the what can we mm-hmm. relate to in many ways there may be parts of that you know monologue that really hit home for someone and you know and parts of it that that don't mm-hmm. you have to be thin but not too thin and you can never say you want to be thin you have to say you want to be healthy but you have to be thin you have to 
have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. Yeah, I mean, she brings up a lot of really hard-hitting, and especially, I think, as women our age, all things that we've experienced, all things Mm -hmm. that we've felt, all things that that we know to be true. Hmm. I'm definitely not arguing that. I, I just struggled with kind of the idea that, like, at what point do we start focusing the conversation on the strength and incredible things that women can do so that that becomes the focus? It kind of like I just kind of thought of the um, run like a girl Nike campaign. Oh, you remember yeah. that? I mean, yes. such like a, talk about a tearjerker. Every mm-hmm. time I see that commercial, I cry. Yeah, <laughs> because of it was no longer about run like a girl being this, like a diss, mm-hmm. you know, if mm-hmm. someone says like, mm-hmm. Oh, you run like a girl, you play like a girl. Like that's a diss, right? right? Yes. Okay. But the commercial, they, they changed the meaning of it. Yes. Run like a girl was something that you're proud of. Mm-hmm. And so I guess like that is, that was the kind of like differentiation that I was kind of hoping for of like, I totally get all of these things that she mentioned that, Mm -hmm. that would make it quote unquote impossible to be a woman. But what if we started changing the meaning, Mm. maybe not as literal as run like a girl. Cause you, but I don't know, just, just some, some other thoughts that I had. I like that. Oh, I'm going to, yeah, definitely think more about it, about this perspective. And I definitely, I'm going to see the movie again and again. So (laughs) all the, that perspective, these thoughts, you know, these reflections, you know, are going to, you know, probably serve a different. Once you start having conversations about it, it's, (laughs) it's interesting to then see those different Mm -hmm. points of view when Mm -hmm. you think about the different scenes and everything. And of course, like the huge culmination is Barbie deciding which world she wants to live in. Does she want to go back to Barbie land Mm -hmm. or does she want to be in the real world? And knowing that if she chooses the real world, that with it, she's choosing all of these things that Mm -hmm. Gloria has just kind of introduced her to. And she chooses to be in the real world. Yeah, She wants to have those experiences, even though they might be tough, even though they might be challenging, all of these things. Yes. Yeah, that final scene. Oh, there's so much to say about that final scene. So the way I saw it was, you know, tying back to the, the prologue where it's like the beginning of time. I see this like white room, this void of any world as being like a starting point again a a new beginning for her Mm -hmm. like a moment of creation and so there's this idea of like infinite possibilities and I suppose to your point she's got the knowledge of her world what it feels what it's like to be in a world where you can be anything you, you you're not under the rules of whether it's patriarchy, all the different pressures of society, all the different messages. She's got that knowledge and experience, 
but she's taking that into a world where, gosh, this is gonna, this is really hard. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's um, another one of those moments where you're like, it? I've had one while we were chatting too. Of yeah. like, wait a second, wait a how second. come I can't get this out? Mm. I like in that scene that she's wearing, I just think about some of the details. She's wearing this heart pendant and Ruth tells mm. her, she tells her something like, go with your feeling. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. yeah. And then Barbie's having this, you know, confu- like she's very confused. She's like, she doesn't know. She doesn't know what she wants to be. She's not sure. And I think that kind of sums up this experience of like, you've got these labels, you've got society telling you to be this, to be that whether the they're extremes of the same thing but Ruth is kind of getting her to come back to what do you feel like getting connected to like I don't know intuition what is authentically you what is your your true nature removed from these labels and that's kind of her opportunity and then I think that's why she takes the leap okay I'll go into the real world led by okay this is this is me even though she's confused, which is okay, right? <laughs> which is which yeah, is a reality. Yeah. Like you don't know what sometimes you want to be. You're not sure. You're you're navigating all at all the different stages and phases of life. Mm-hmm. All of those feelings come up. Yeah, and and we're seeing for the first time Barbie actually experiencing what it would be like to think that things would be different because nothing's ever different in Barbie land. Everything happens the same every single day and you don't Mm -hmm. need to think about it. Like Mm -hmm. she would never question like what she was going to have for breakfast or whether or not she was having a dance party and a girl's night that night. (laughs) And, you know, all of these things are like predetermined in Barbie land. So it's kind of like her first opportunity to think, to think what Mm -hmm. could I be or what could I do or what, who am I or uh, any of these questions. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I guess what also is, is fun and beautiful about the movie is that we are taken into a world of imagination and play that world that Mm -hmm. we grew where we played and freely, creatively, openly with no thought about what's right and what's wrong comes to life which is so cool that Greta has been able to do that to bring that world to life and so if you have this imagination creativity and play and you could be anything you wanted yeah it, it may not be so easy in the real world and I and I think that's why this movie is like important in many ways Mm -hmm. no I think it but I mean again like going back to the beginning I thought it was a great movie I think that it brings up a lot of themes and points and important things for consideration and I think it was an awesome recommendation on your part to chat about it so Mm -hmm. thank you um, for encouraging that and yeah I mean I feel like we could continue we skipped over so much of the film even mm-hmm. in this and we've been talking for a long time now so I know that there's a lot more that we could say about it but I really enjoyed chatting about it and hearing a lot of your perspective maybe I will have to go see it a second time around to kind of give it another look see yeah, I'm I'm thinking the same thing. Like I've got now some open loops that I don't think I've I've closed, which is great. And and I, and I do want to see it again and and I think the more we talk about it with people, yeah, just more to think about and and another way to to view the film with some different yeah. perspectives. 
All right. Well, perhaps after your third viewing and my second viewing, we can come back and plug some of the holes that we left over. Or you said open loops. We definitely left a lot of open loops and and things that we didn't even get to to discussing. But for today, as we close out our chat on the Barbie movie, we hope that you friends have picked up a thing or two you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. And friends, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you have a friend in mind who might also enjoy our chats, share the podcast with them too. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate Can Relate on their favorite podcast app. Until next time.